Welcome back to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. a very special quarantine edition of Hashtag Single. How is everybody doing? How are you guys holding up out there? I know this is a very weird time um, and I'm really excited for this episode to come at you. Another virtual episode. I have today as my guest, renowned sexuality experts, Dr. Jessica O'Reilly, aka Dr. Jess, and Marla Renee Stewart. A little bit more about both of them so you know who these fabulous women are. Um, Dr. Jess is a Toronto-based PhD sexologist, author, television personality, and award-winning speaker who also holds relationship retreats internationally. She has been featured in Women's Health, Men's Fitness, Cosmopolitan, Self, Showtime and the Movie Network, and is the host of hit reality series Swing, which just capped its fifth season on Playboy TV. Um, her doctoral research is focused on sexual health and relationship education and includes courses in counseling skills, healthy relationships, resolving sexual concerns, sex education, clinical sexology, sexual development, sex and disability, group therapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy. Alongside her academic and television credits, Dr. Jess is also an accomplished author with three best-selling titles, including The New Sex Bible, Hot Sex Tips, Tricks and Licks, love that, and The Little Book of Kink. Dr. Jess's work experience includes contracts with school boards, social service agencies, community health organizations, and private corporations, in addition to a monthly column in Post City and a regular Tuesday morning segment on Global TV's The Morning Show. Yes. Oh, (laughs) Marla Renee Stewart is a professional sex, intimacy, and relationship coach, sexologist, and sex educator. She is the co-founder of Sex Down South, an annual three-day sex education conference held in Atlanta that includes sex positive workshops, education stations, healing spaces, and performances. She created sexual education company Velvet Lips to empower people of all ages to embrace, educate, and enjoy their sexuality and their sexual lives. She studied human sexuality for more than 18 years at San Francisco State University and Georgia State University and has published academic articles across the spectrum of sexual research. She is frequently featured in the media and lectures at universities around the world. She also sits on the board of Spark Reproductive Justice Now and Diverse Sexualities Research and Education Institute. Ladies, (laughs) oh my God, I feel like I have the ultimate fountain of sexual wisdom on my hands. Um, Welcome to Hashtag Single. I am so honored to have you two as my guest today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, that was quite an embarrassing mouthful, right? When you, yeah, when you I was like, bio, that is a lot. <laughs> and like, my mom wrote that, obviously, right? <laughs> my I daughter stole, is the I best. I all of this off of your internet websites. <laughs> there is a plethora of them. 
Well, listen, the number one rule for Hashtag Singles is a feminist podcast is that we own our accomplishments. So all of this is well-deserved. It's like a summary of what you've accomplished, and it's so badass. So I'm so excited to talk to you both. Um, so the reason I have you both on my podcast on the same episode, which is a little unusual for me, uh, is because you guys have joined forces to write a book called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay, Semicolon, Techniques and Strategies for Mind-Blowing Sex. Yes. Um, which I believe was meant to be released later this month. Um, has it has it been postponed at all due to coronavirus? Not that no. we know of. You, you might know before we do. But. Oh, I don't. <laughs> Does anyone know anything? Absolutely not. Um, yeah. That's excellent. So um, what's the release date is, I think it's mid-month, April 15th. Does that sound about right? Yes, that's right. The 14th. Um, very cool. So we will make sure people know about that. But tell us more about the book and how you both came together to write it. Well, the, so the Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay is uh, part of the Ultimate Guide series. And so they have ultimate guides to all these different sexuality topics. And they wanted to do one on seduction and foreplay. And this is, you know, when we when we were approached with this, we were a little bit hesitant because seduction has been bastardized as a word, right? So seduction has been taken by pickup artists and, mm. you know, really it, it's becomes, it become focused on manipulation and getting what you want. Whereas we really want to take this language back and ensure that seduction really is about, yes, getting what you want, but also ensuring that your partner or partners get more of what they want free from manipulation, underscored by enthusiastic consent. And seduction to us is sex. Seduction isn't the precursor to sex. It is pleasure in and of itself. And obviously sex means different things to different people. So we wanted to write a book that looks not only at the techniques and approaches to seduction and foreplay and pleasure, but also looks at erotic theory. So uh, what we've put together, I'm, I'm really happy about it, really proud of it, is uh, a number of theories and then specific exercises and prompts, hundreds of prompts and conversation starters and exercises that you can try to not only you know have better sex, but to have more meaningful connections and deeper intimacy and better understand your own sexual values. Yes, that's amazing. You're doing you're doing God's work. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, Marlo, do you have anything you want to add in there? Um, I think Jess has it. I mean, yeah, we <laughs> got it. She's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. It was it, it was a just a combination of all of all the things that we do. So I'm really I'm super proud of it too. So. So, but you're based in Atlanta and Dr. Jess is based in Toronto. Yes. Yeah. I go back and forth. Uh, the majority of my time I actually spend in Fort Lauderdale and I go back and forth between Atlanta and Fort Lauderdale. But so how did you guys get paired up being from different regions? Gosh. Well, sorry, Marla. No, go ahead. <laughs> I think it was when through Sex Down South. Yeah, so Marla hosts a conference called Sex Down South, and this is a huge conference, probably the best sexuality conference of the year, every September down in Atlanta. And this is a sex conference that is incredible for sex therapists and clinicians and academic researchers and just regular enthusiasts who care about sex. And we met through Sex Down South, but when the publisher approached me about this book, because it's not a title that we chose, I said to them, well, this is so cool, I'd love to be a part of this project, but I couldn't possibly write a book about seduction without Marla because Marla 
uh, has spawned, has come up with this theory around seduction learning styles and how your learning style affects how you receive and perceive sex. So that's really at the core of our book is helping people to understand their own sexuality, their own needs. And yeah, Marla can tell you more about the seduction learning styles. I'm so intrigued by that. Yeah. Can you give us like sort of the Cliff Notes version of how does one yeah. determine their sex seduction style? Of course. So, well, the the easy way I have is I totally have a quiz online. <laughs> That's oh, I love it. I'm going to totally but, <laughs> um, Besides the little quiz, um, what, so the thing is how we get to, how we learn is basically how we get seduced, right? And so, um, it, and, and sometimes that's a combination of two, right? So whether we're visual, whether whether we're auditory, or whether we're tactile, we can see the ways in which our um, we're influenced in in any you know one in any given direction. So, for instance, if you are um, if you get seduced visually, um, most of the time you um, need lots of eye contact, right? Um, in order for you to feel any kind of sexy, the place needs to be tidy, right? There needs to be, you know, the, your place needs to be free of clutter. Um, a lot of visual people are daydreamers, so they have to see things in their minds, right? So you have to give them lots of detail. Of course, you know, dressing nice, um, uh, in your movements, sort of being the opposite of the room. So I say, like, if it's a really busy room, then you then you need to be, you know, slow moving or stopped, right, for you to get someone's attention visually. So there's all sorts of, you know, ways that we can be influenced um, based off of our um, our seduction learning style. So and the same thing with auditory, right? So it's about uh, for auditory people, actually, they they love hearing the sound of their own voice. So it's more of asking them questions and giving them really great feedback. Uh, expanding your vocabulary, making sure you have good words for them, right? Words with lots of syllables, words you don't use in everyday language, um, you know, using your, you know, deep, soft, low tones, um, you know, playing their favorite music, things like that. Whereas tactile people, you know, are touchy people, right? So you want to wear different kinds of fabrics or, you know, use their hands to touch you or, you know, using, using push pull movements or dancing with them in some way. Um, I usually tell people the way they can tell somebody who's tactile is you take them to a store and they're the people who touch everything on the shelves, right? Like they're the people that are reaching out. They're the people at museums wanting to touch everything, you know, past the line. <laughs> they are, they, those are those people. So um, there's different ways to figure out uh, which one is which. And we talk about that in the book, as well as talk about like the different uh, uh, what we call planting uh, sex seeds where you can um, uh, start your your uh, your journey of seduction when you are uh, approaching someone. I think that's super interesting. I mean, it sounds more like these are these are the types of ways that people learn period. And then you apply them to seduction. Cause I have to say that like, when you said what your means of seduction are, I was thinking when you think, okay, so if you think uh, this person is visually stimulated, uh, our minds automatically apply that to like, Oh, the bedroom, like how does this person need to be uh, uh, visually stimulated in order to get sexy? Right. But I, I think what you're talking about is more about connection and flirting, which is really interesting. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, well, it, well, I think what's also a big part of it too, is like a lot of times people will go, men are visual creatures. And yes, some men are visual, but some men are also auditory and some men are tactile, right? Like mm-hmm. we can't sit here and say that every person is one kind of thing. And I think that is one of the most important pieces is that we can, um, we have to open ourselves up to uh, a variety of ways of, of, of seduction but yeah that's that's super i'm really interested in looking more into that and learning about (laughs) how i like to be seduced and how i seduce as well um obviously this isn't the first time that a book on intimacy and sexuality has been written i know dr jess you actually have written three other books so what was it about the current state of things that made you both realize this book was needed like why now Well, I think our definitions around sex are changing and we're learning to embrace the fact that sex really means different things to different people. And one person's seduction is another person's main event. And we wanted to write a book that really could reach a broader range of people and reflect the experiences of a broader range of people. And this also is not just about sex. I I know it's called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. But when we talk about seduction, as Marla has just illustrated, we're not talking about just how you look at your partner in the bedroom or how you make the bed or how you set the mood. We're talking about all of the relational elements and all of the interactions that lead up to sex. And all of that may be seductive, it might be sensual, it might be more practical, but we're trying to get people to see sex from a bigger picture view. You know, flirt, you mentioned flirtation, but flirtation is something that in long-term relationships, we tend to relegate to mm-hmm. the moments during which we're pursuing sex, as opposed to just flirting throughout the day, the day, brushing up against them, you know, seductively when you're out in public. While we're all in quarantine right now and in isolation, now is the time to, you know, just rub up against their back. Not every seductive action and not every piece of flirtation has to lead to sex that has to lead to a specific type of sex or orgasm right you could be now is the time to kind of play with a code word if you hear a code word you pick one for the morning and then you find each other throughout the day to give the other person a kiss or to just you know hold each other or look in one another's eyes i mean i know that sex is in many cases the farthest thing from our minds right now because This is a period of distress. No one is feeling normal. Everything is disrupted from our schedules to finances to health and fitness. And so if sex isn't on your mind, hopefully seduction and eroticism and connection Mm -hmm. are still at the forefront of your mind. So we spend a lot of time talking about emotional seduction, physical seduction, practical seduction, seduction for busy people. But a big part of it is just looking for alternative ways to stay connected because you're not always going to be having sex, however you define it. Right. Totally. Um, I, I wish I'd been able to read the book in advance of its publication, obviously, but um, since I couldn't, um, I'd love to ask, and you can both answer this. Um, first, what was your personal favorite part of the book? And secondly, what do you think will be the biggest aha moment or biggest takeaway for the reader? Wow. So I think there are a lot of takeaways (laughs) for the reader. I think my favorite parts are like, I'm a big homework person, right? So I really love the fact that we have, we have just so many prompts and what we call um, seduction instruction and lover's inquiry, just sort of awareness building exercises 
um, as well as just uh, so many different prompts to help you be uh, more aware of yourself and your lovers. And so I'm really, that I think is probably one of the most significant things for me because I'm always questioning, right? Like I'm always like, how do you feel? What if, you know, mm-hmm. we were to do this or what if that, or, um, or just, you know, learning more about myself, you know, yeah. and what I like and this book. And I know Jess is, um, uh, the thinking about our core erotic feelings and elevated erotic feelings were things that were, you know, even new to me. And so I really was, um, excited just to explore that part of myself. And so, um, I, I think this book just has a lot of a, a lot of prompts, a lot of um, uh, moves, practices. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it sounds super like interactive, for lack of a better word. It is. It is. <laughs> it, it is. It's kind of it is like a workbook almost, you know, um, because there are so many prompts. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I like I love it. Oh, I would like you, Dr. Jess. I'm- yeah, I'm really proud of this one. As you said, this is my fourth, actually my, really my fifth, but my fourth real book. And I I don't think that um, I can say, oh, I'm so proud of these other ones. The other ones are cool if you want to learn some techniques, but this one is beyond techniques. And it does include techniques. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of hot techniques in it, but we're really looking at all the buildup. And um, the core erotic feeling is a really important piece to me. And your core erotic feeling has to do with emotional seduction and every experience from sex to ordering a burrito at the store, all of these are emotional experiences. So mm-hmm. your core erotic feeling is the feeling that you must experience in order to possibly get in the mood for sex. So if I don't feel Ooh. X, I can't get in the mood for sex. So do you need to feel relaxed, loved, honored, happy, powerful, playful, stress-free, sexy, desired, um, challenged, full of energy, vulnerable? What are the feelings that you attach to core erotic desire? So that doesn't mean every time you experience this emotion that you want to you know, get on top and ride, but it means that without this emotion, sex is entirely off the table. So we walk you through some questions to help you arrive at your core erotic feeling. And I wish we had a quiz, but I I think it's just, this part is just a little bit more nuanced than that. So unfortunately, you know, it doesn't divide into five or six neat categories like the love languages Mm -hmm. or even like the the learning styles. As as Marla said, of course there's overlap, but with the core erotic feeling, I do find that once you figure out your core erotic feeling and then you make the lifestyle attitudinal and behavioral adjustments to make sure that you can experience that feeling. You don't put it on your partner. Of course, your partner can support you and can be a part of the process, but this is mostly on you. What I find is that once people are able to identify this core erotic feeling, not only does it give them a better picture of their own needs, but it gives them language to communicate their needs with specificity to their partner. And then what excites me about the core erotic feeling is once you've had that core erotic feeling addressed and understood, and maybe it starts to come naturally, it doesn't mean you always want sex, but it means sex is possible, then you can Mm -hmm. start looking at what we call your elevated erotic feelings. And so these are the emotions that take sex to the next level. This is why when your core erotic feeling is attended to, you can get turned on by more subversive feelings. Like for, for example, I really like 
I like to feel a little bit jealous. I like a little bit of degradation. Some people like a little bit of humiliation. Other people like risk or challenge or feelings that, you know, normally on a Tuesday afternoon in my living room or in the boardroom, I would never want to experience. Right, right. <laughs> but you can get turned on by some of these feelings because your core erotic feelings and, of course, all of your relational needs are attended to, right? So I know it can sound really out there. Of course, nobody wants, I don't want to feel jealous while I'm, you know, sitting at the dinner table or while I'm in a meeting, but in the context of a healthy, loving, happy, supportive relationship, we can play with that emotion and find pleasure in it. And, and we're trying to help people not just understand this theory, but walk them through the questions and considerations so that they can put it into action. And I, I really do think the greatest takeaway from this book involves the the activities that help you to better understand your own sexual values. And those are values that most of us have not formally sat down and considered. And that's what Marla and I are begging you to do. I don't expect people to, you know, do every single question and activity in the book. But I think if you did five questions, uh, it would open up a whole new world of consideration for sex from multiple perspectives. Yeah, and I think you bring up something that's so clutch. Um, obviously, this is hashtag single, so I am hashtag single. But when I was in my relationship, um, which is a decade ago at this point, um, yeah, we never had a conversation about what turns us on or um, we never defined it. Like this, the emotional state, as you put it, is that I need to be in in order to be turned on. Um, and thinking back on it, it was just sort of this thing that you were supposed to know mysteriously about your partner. And thinking back on it, I can imagine for those who are in relationships now, and certainly when I'm thinking back to my relationship too, there were times we were just sort of not on the same page and it brought up some tension because um you know he was in the mood and I wasn't in the mood and that that led to an argument about can't you see that I'm like doing the dishes right now um but if we had just like talked about what it was that had turned us on or what needed to be in place to turn us on I feel like that could dissolve a lot of tension in in relationships around sexuality yeah, there's just a lot of couples who just don't talk to each other um, and, and, and a lot of single people who just don't express their desires. I find like, especially in my work, that there are just a lot of people who just don't feel comfortable for whatever reason expressing what they desire. And sometimes they don't even know what their desires and turn ons are. So I have to sit here and be like, Hey, your homework is to actually think about what turns you on. What are yeah. the things that get you hot in the pants? And if you don't know what those things are, then you need to go out and try to figure it out and try to discover it or, you know, um, just get aware somehow, like figure it out. What, what are the things that make you happy? And so, um, but that is super, super, super common. And I, I think, um, what this book does. And I feel like it's not only for people in relationships, but of course, for people who are single, I think what it helps is just bring awareness to your body, bring awareness to your emotional state, bring awareness to what you're capable of and, um, you know, physically as well as mentally. So I, um, yeah, I, I just think that that's just, it's, it's super common the the communication or lack of communication, um, with the people needs to get yeah. better overall. Well, I'm sure, and I'm sure people struggle just with um, talking 
about sex. It's sort of only really, I feel like in recent years that like talking about sexuality um, has been more accessible to people. They've been able to find their words and not be ashamed about sexuality. Um, So I think we're sort of coming, and obviously this is more your expertise than mine, but like coming into this unprecedented era where like owning your sexuality is just really normalized. Whereas before it was maybe a little tied into shame or embarrassment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, relinquishing sexual shame uh, is a big part of the process of of coming into your sexual self. And I love that we're talking about sex more. And I'm also concerned that so much conversation and depiction around sex is performance-based. And when it becomes mm-hmm. performative, we don't really get a chance to reflect on our individual values. And so, you know, when you talk about people not discussing their needs, uh, I think part of the problem is that even experts are offering very broad advice. Like, for example, we'll communicate. Okay, so I think people need more than just the language of, hey, talk about how you feel, talk about what you want, because this is a complex and, as you said, taboo and shame-laden topic historically. So we want to give people the language and we can give them some now. Of course, we want you to, you know, check out the book, but we can give you some ideas, you know, even when you're talking about seduction, it doesn't all has have to be complicated. Part of it is just practical. You know, when do you like to have sex? Mm-hmm. What time of day? Do you yeah. like to be woken up? What days of the week are better? Um, what about when you're menstruating? Uh, if you're in the middle of a work day, do you like to take a break or do you need to really clear your mind? What about, you know, with kids in the house? Uh, and then when we think about fantasy, we tell people, oh, share your sexual fantasies. But again, I think people need prompts in addition to those broad statements. So one place we like to start, and we talk about this in the book, is considering a scene from a recent show or movie that represents the type of interaction you desire, right? Like, is there a scene you want to reenact? Are there shows or celebrities that turn you on? Is there a show or a movie where the romance actually feels believable? Uh, Because we have, you know, a, a wealth of research and just you know, common sense that tells us that rom-coms do a terrible job at depicting what real relationships look like. Uh, Are there any shows or characters that represent your seduction style? Is there a character you find attractive and what attracts you to them? Because it's not usually just their body. It's the way they talk. Like for me, for example, I love Don Draper in Mad Men. Do I want to marry a Don Draper? Of course not. But I love <laughs> that he's that you know he's a little bit shady. That he doesn't <laughs> say very much. He's got that deep voice. He's always kind of looking contemplative. And no, I don't want that in real life. But fantasy can be an escape from reality. And then similarly, when you're watching television and movies, can you talk about what you don't like? Right? You know, are are there scenes where you think to my, yourself? Dear God, if you ever touched me like that, I'd go running for the hills. So there right, are, we, right. we try and provide you, as I That's said, smart. with you know just hundreds of questions to consider. And even if you just did one a week for a year uh, and you were open with yourself, whether you journal about it or discuss it with your partner, I think it's uh, a lot more effective than just reading an article on here's how to give a great blowjob or here's how to touch a vulva. Like, we do cover that stuff. And I mean, Marla and I, <laughs> We like that stuff. We, we, we yeah, everyone. Right I love that. I mean, I'm really big on just like self-awareness and growth. A lot, that theme comes up in my podcast a lot. Um, 
the thing that is coming up for me right now, obviously this is easier to do when you have, oh, I don't know, a partner. Um, whereas like, obviously a lot of our experiences in the single scene is that sexuality um, can be, not always, but like is a little bit more exploratory and I dare say, I hate to say, uh, transactional at this moment. Like the people that I have slept with in recent years are not necessarily people I would have had this conversation because we've not reach the level where we would need to share that information about each other. So like, how do you guys deal with uh, single sexuality in your book? Well, actually, I, I really wanted to touch on something you said before, really around like communication, our experiences. And I think a lot of it has to do with talking to our youth and talking um, as a young person. Right. So I had my mom, even though she was, um, uh, you know, for me, she was definitely the sex positive influence in my life. But and um, but I think a lot of that has to do because she was a, a teenage mother. Right. So she just mm-hmm. did not want me to have like struggle with life as she struggled. Yeah. And so um, I think a lot of talking around talking about sex and sexuality needs to be done in our youth. And so when we talk about it openly as youth, then I feel I think that's why I'm able to talk about it so openly now. And, um, that has helped with my ability, you know, to do so. And, you know, being in this, being in this, uh, (laughs) this industry, um, but as for, but as for, uh, single people, we have all like, honestly, this is yes. Like I said, it's for, you know, folks who, um, are in relationships, but it's ultimately, if you were dating someone, you want to be able to, even if you're having, if you're having sex with them, you want to be able to maximize the amount of pleasure that you're getting. Right. And to do that, of course, you need to have the conversations. Of course, you need to talk about your experiences. Of course, you need to talk about your bodies and being aware. And so I I think that this, um, this is, yeah, this book is just a way to, to have those intimate conversations, even if it's someone that, you know, you might, talk to for only a second or maybe only have a first date with. I mean, I, I personally like to say things on the first date that like, okay, is this going to be a turnoff um, for you or whatever? Because if it is, then I got to go. Right. I I don't want to waste my time. So, um, and I I, think a lot of the the idea of like starting my first dates with being like, tell me any scenes from movies that have turned you on recently. (laughs) just like see what happens (laughs) yeah exactly right and and just really having um connecting over that and seeing what kinds of things that you have in common um in regards to you know your sexuality so um obviously uh since I happen to have two sexuality experts on my podcast during an unprecedented time of pandemic quarantine and isolation. Um, I can't help myself. I would love to ask you questions about this particular scenario that we find ourselves in. Um, What are your best tips or tricks or advice for us single people to remain sexually healthy and sane right now while practicing isolation? I mean, the answer can't just be like porn and masturbation, right? Take two Maybe and call is. me in the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, first I'd say, you know, this is a time of stress. It's a time of uncertainty and transition. And our responses to distress really vary greatly from person to person and day to day. So some of us find that sex helps us to 
self-soothe. You know, some of us find it a source of stress relief. And so we might want more sex. And then others might find that sex is actually a source of stress or they're experiencing tension in the relationship. And so they might have no interest in sex whatsoever. And all of these responses are valid. So I think this, this isn't a time to perform or achieve. I think many of us are feeling so emotionally drained that we're just struggling to get by. So I don't want people to feel that they have to have the hottest sex of their lives right now. Um, I, I would say look for ways to maintain connections and enjoy pleasure. And that might be sex and it might not. And, uh, you know, if, if you find you're in the mood and your partner isn't, or if you don't have a partner, take sex into your own hands. You know, solo sex feels really good too. And now we have all these toys out there. So I think that's a really specific tip. We have toys that are app enabled from a distance. So the entire suite of we vibe toys, for example, uh, and they have penis rings and G-spot vibrators and clitoral vibrators, and they're like among the best in the business. You can connect it to someone who is, you know, if I'm in New York and you're in Albuquerque, I can let them control my vibrator Wait, or what? let them control. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is news to me. You know what I would love to find out? Like if, if their sales had like skyrocketed in the last two weeks, they have actually. They so, have really? Yeah. Womanizer has seen a 50% increase in sales with higher increases in the pandemic regions. Oh and WeVibe, I don't know what their numbers are. I'd have to look them up. I think it was in the 30, 37th percentile or something like that increase in sales. And those numbers are a couple weeks old. So I imagine they continue to climb. Oh my God. I love that so much. I love, I also love that you just like have those numbers at the ready. You're like, Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sales of vibrators have gone up 50%. That's, um, that's really incredible. Um, but so, well, let's pretend like we do meet someone on a dating app and you've managed to like meet quote unquote meet via FaceTime or whatever. Like what's the best way to begin introducing sexuality into that baby relationship? So if you've just met someone and you're, you know, you're feeling the attraction, but you aren't together, obviously, because nobody's getting together right now, uh, I think there's pressure to have online sex right away. And that pressure to me, for most of us, if we're not experienced at that, it's just too overwhelming. And I think that we might avoid a connection because we're afraid that there is this pressure to perform. So I would suggest that you start just with conversation, uh, either taking some questions from these books or referring to a podcast you just listened to or an article. And you can say, oh, I read about this. I read that people are feeling this way during the pandemic. I read that sex toy sales went up. So you can just use casual conversation to start conversations about sex that aren't explicit. And then if you do want to get into online flirt flirting, you know, we do a whole section on sexting in the book and considering how to sext based on your partner's seduction or learning style, right? So like, do they enjoy creative language? Are they more visual? And again, you don't need to send naked photos. You might send sexy photos. You might keep your face out of it because you maybe don't know this person that well yet. You might share close-ups of body parts. So they have to decipher what it is, but it's not really clear. You might take a picture in the dark so that they can sort of make out your form, but you leave a lot to the imagination. If you're feeling way more confident, of course, uh, Marla really came up with some great tips around using a selfie stick and adjusting your lighting and playing with different angles and cleaning up your room. And then, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're not ready for video sex at this point, and by the way, it's not a solid inclination just because you 
or solid incline, sorry. Just because you start with one thing doesn't mean it has to lead to the next. So you can do a little bit and then back off. You can do something today and decide you don't want to do it tomorrow. But one area that gets left out of sexting and digital sex involves voice notes because voice notes really let you tap into your lover's like audio desires. For those of us who are auditory learners, the sound of a lover's voice, even if they're not talking dirty, can be so hot. And again, this is a really big reminder that seduction is not just about sex. So I, for example, am very, uh, I love the sound of my husband's voice. And so even if he reads me a story, sometimes I get him to read me a couple of pages, not from a sexy story, just a regular book. I love the sound of his voice so much that it's soothing, it's relaxing, it helps me to feel more in the moment, and that's laying the groundwork for the possibility of sex. It's not meant to lead to sex, but it it at least makes me more open to it. So if you're sending voice notes, what's cool about voice notes is they're not live, so you can screw up, you can try it again, you can change your voice to be low and soft, you can tell them what you want to do, you can tell them what you want from them, tell them what you've been thinking about, let them know what you want to do to them, um, convey your desire for their touch, and you're just building anticipation. And you might send one sentence at a time, right? Like I might send a couple of sentences in the morning and then a couple in the evening. And you can build and it can be live or it cannot be live. These are these are all you have so many options before you get to video if you decide to get to video. And Marla, I think you're the one who reminded us that you can pre-film clips of yourself, you know, and if you're feeling shy, keep the lights off so they can't see what's going on, but maybe they can, you know, hear the rustling of the sheets. They can try and make out the contours. Uh, and, And then the other possibility is you can send them sexy videos and images and gifts that are in the public domain that aren't you, right? Like anything that you think might turn them on. You can say, you know, this made me think of you. Um, So, you know, you could just film yourself talking to them. There's so much fun that can be had in the digital space. You can go out on the balcony and listen to them, but not touch yourself or not play with yourself or anything because you're out in public, but, you know, try and maintain your composure. Really, we could, we should come up with a hundred different sex acts during for the quarantine eh, Marla I (laughs) I know so great Yes, I, I I think there's all sorts of problems that we that we can come up with for sure. I think I think that's all. I mean, like I love just listening to you. Like it got my mind. I have nobody to have sex with right now, but like <laughs> it got my mind going for like when that might happen. Um, I think. I mean, I think the danger right now of like trying to virtual date is that these dates just like all might become phone sex um, because we're not thinking creatively of how you can connect in the virtual space. Like like all those examples that you listed, Doctor Jess. Um, but. Uh, I, I have sensed just in like the last couple of weeks in, in the connections I've made online is that because we're not able to have physical sex right now, chatting with people virtually can become a placeholder for that. Like, um, what do I mean? Sort of like an instant fix. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. how would you both advise women who are finding themselves the recipients of unwanted virtual sexual advances, you know, dick pics, aggressive innuendo. I mean, I myself was just offered, um, I don't, I don't, or should I say like threatened with, I don't know, a dick video of him masturbating, um, which was not a request that I made, but I think because we're not, because he has nobody to have sex with and he is no outlet. The minute we started talking, he was like, Oh, you're going to be my, my, 
sex fulfillment right now? That was a very wordy, long question, but basically, yeah, like, how, do, how are we, how do you uh, deflect or how, how, how should we handle this really delicate situation of, like, assuming because we can't meet that the connection in the virtual space has to become sexual? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is set up a set up a boundary, right? Or or set up some some rules to your interactions, and I think that should be the first thing said. So, for instance, um, if you're like you start talking to someone to say like, "Hey, you know, I'm really interested in you." These are the things that I'm requesting from you, right? Like, I don't want any dick pics right now. I don't want any dick videos. I just want to talk about whatever, right? We can talk about our turn-ons. We can talk about this. And then when we get to, you know, uh, pick exchange, I will let you know, right? And I think really setting those boundaries because ultimately people just want to please. So they, and they don't want to, they don't want to ruin their chances of, you know, have, having, having possibly an intimate partner or someone to talk to. So I think when you set up the boundaries and you just are firm in what you want and you know, first you got to know what you want and then you got to tell them, Hey, this is what I want and what I desire. And I'm setting that up at the beginning. And so that you're, you're sort of leading and being in control of the, of the space. I think that's going to help set you up in the future. And then um and this and then also what else can help set you up is you know if you're you know feeling you know um excited and sexual and you want to have those you know sexy pics or whatever I think doing a bunch of them all at once like spending a day and doing them all at once so that you can send one a day <laughs> and have them for 30, you know, take 30 pictures and have 30 of them that you can do over the course. So you don't have to keep taking pictures every single day. I think you can don't be have to keep taking your clothes off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a totally, you know, great sort of sex hack <laughs> that you can, um, that you can implement so that you don't have to, you know, if you're feeling sexual, but don't want to take your cozy pajamas off, right? Like it's a really great way to, to do that. But it's like, it's like buffer for sexting. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Marlette, you just, it's like a content calendar when people pre-schedule their tweets. Yeah, I love yeah that so exactly. <laughs> that's how, that's how a badass woman gets it done. I do not have time for this. I'm going to do this on Sunday and I will put those out at my own schedule. Thank you very much. Seriously, exactly. every Instagrammer, it's this is resonating with every Instagrammer, right? Because they don't want to get dressed every day. So they just change outfits and take all the pics at once. This is the best. Yeah. <laughs> That's so bad. Um, in the, I have a really kind of uh, intriguing theory slash question. So, okay. In the past, any innuendos that I've made while texting with a new guy or messaging with a new guy have fallen under the umbrella of like teasing or flirting with the ultimate goal being to see what kind of chemistry we have when we meet. So for me, when I go on the date, one of the mar markers of a good first date is whether or not I want to kiss him by the end of it. Right. So being that physical touch and that first kiss are usually our goalposts to let us know if we have a real connection, like without that, what is the substitute for that right now. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. You know, like, how I do I know that a guy that... and I are vibing without being able to touch him and flirt with him and kiss him, I guess? 
Yeah, I actually think that digital dating is creating new opportunities to actually slow down. And so in person, in the flesh, you're right, we may rely on these physical tests of chemistry, but I'm hopeful that because everybody is at home and everybody has more time, that not only are we going to be more thoughtful with our words and the words are going to have more power and we're going to take more time before we send a message, take more time to really read a message. I'm also hopeful that when you go on video dates, that you're going to pick up on visual cues like facial expressions, body language, and also tone. You're going to pick up on them with uh, greater um, focus because usually if you're out at a bar or a restaurant or, and you're in a busy space, there are all these distractions. But I'm hopeful that video dating actually might be more intimate and you might tune more into your partner than you would in a public space. So yes, you can't kiss or touch hands to feel if there's a spark, but I think you're going to start to tune into other cues and, and really make use of them when perhaps we've been ignoring those cues because there are so many distractions in most of the areas where we go on our first and second and early dates. Mm, I love that. Very true. I mean, I, I love that in theory. It hasn't happened to me yet, but I believe in the potential of that to happen, if that makes sense. Um, Marla, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you are kind of doing like three million things, so I totally understand. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's rephrase that question. Um, Dr. Jess, I know you have a podcast. Um, will you tell us about it, where we can find it? Um, and any episode highlights that you would want to mention our favorite episodes for singles specifically um, that you think that my audience would might benefit from? Yeah, so it's called the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I think it's relevant to people, whether you're single or in a relationship with one person or in a relationship with multiple people. And we cover everything from you know, body image to emotional literacy to managing stress to anal sex, to how to spank, to, you know, how to sell underwear on your dirty underwear online. Oh my um, God. To how to, yeah. Like, and serious topics, like how to support somebody in an abusive relationship, orgasmic meditation. I would, there was one older episode with Andrea Bain who talks about being single, uh, that, that always kind of stands out to me, but I think every topic is fairly relevant to, to people, regardless of relationship status. Right. Yeah. Um, anything else that you guys just want to sort of finalize on, uh, anything about the sort of like quarantine or like I said, anything around the single space that's, you want to just sort of like end on? Um, um I, just, I just, sorry, Marla, you go. <laughs> I just think, you know, people now, if, if they have the extra time, if they, you know, aren't, um, you know, uh, having to work outside of the home, just having those conversations and, you know, try to be more aware of your body and more of your desires, turns on, turn ons, and just really be, uh, this is a time I think to explore. So if, if, you know, th there's no time like the present to, to explore, to explore more of your sexuality. Yes, absolutely. I hear that. Yeah. And I think it's a good time to also go easy on ourselves. I think, um, 
I, I like the, the language you use, Marla, because it really is about exploring, not performing, not achieving. Like it's not the time to make sure you learn to have a multiple or learn to have a G-spot orgasm or learn a new trick. But I really like the idea of exploration and curiosity and and maybe practicing a bit of mindfulness around sex. You know, the next time you masturbate, can you slow down and actually try not to have an orgasm? You know, prolong the process and tune in a little bit more to your breath, to the way you're feeling in your hips, in your groin, in your breasts, in your toes. Uh, and and slow down because sex with a partner, we often try and prolong it. But sex with ourselves, we often treat it like a tune-up just to kind of get it over with. And I think this is a great time for mindful masturbation. Oh, that's so good. I mean, just in general, just taking this time to like, I guess, just check in with yourself and where you're at and where your sexuality is at. Like there's nothing, uh, there's no more sex positive message than that really. It's it's just about our own personal journey um, and sharing that personal journey with a partner if we have one, but if we don't, um, you know, defining that for ourselves. So that, that really resonates with me. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, it has been an exceptional conversation and I'm, I'm very honored to have you share your wisdom with us on my podcast. I'm going to be able to I'm going to link your uh, book on Amazon, which is going to be available in a few weeks. I'm so excited to buy it, um, as well as your websites. If uh, listeners want to find out more about you and your work, certainly the Sex Down South conference sounds phenomenal. Um, uh, so I'll add that all in the description of the podcast. And uh, thank you again both for being here. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. All right. Everybody check out their work. It's incredible. And then spend this time to be with yourself in a beautiful, sex-positive way. That's it for this episode of Hashtag Single. We will catch you next time. Bye.